Before we get started, I just was given a, a couple prayer items, um, some updates. Um, we've, we've heard um, that, that Rachel Paisy is, is doing better, um, and she is possibly coming home on Monday, uh, tomorrow, which is great news. Uh, I can't imagine how hard that's been on their family, having, having their little one in the hospital all week, but I'm, I'm grateful to hear that news. And uh, also, we, we received a report uh, from JM, our missionaries, the, the believers in India um, this week. They, the orphanage kids have, have fled to a military base. Um, they're living in tents, and it's a, and it's a tough, a really tough situation uh, right now. And so, you know what? Before we get started, let's, um, let's, let's pray. Lord, uh, such tough um, situations. It's, it's hard living in a broken world. There's such hardships that we face. Lord, I can't imagine having a, a little one being in, in, in the hospital for so long with uh, internal kind of issues, digestive things or appendix uh, things. Lord, life could be life-threatening things. But Lord, we're so grateful to hear that Rachel's doing better. Pray that you continually be with the Paisy family um, in and through this. Give them strength, give them energy to, to keep loving on their family, and especially just as, as their work is, is kind of coming to an end with, with school coming to, to a close. Uh, be with that family, Lord. Help us as a church lift them up and, and encourage them in this time. We thank you for that, that good news. Lord, we, we pray for the situation in India, these believers, our missionary, JM. Um, Lord, it's something that we, we can't even understand, begin to understand that, that kind of a situation. Lord, we just pray that you'd be with them, that, Lord, they would know the hope that, that is found in you, um, the assurance of having, having faith. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that, that you would be with them, that they would know that you're with them and that you're, you're guiding them in this situation. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Um, wow, another school year finished. Um, another round of graduates leaving. It's, it's bittersweet. Uh, one of the joys serving at Impact is being able to pour into these teens from 7th grade all the way up through 12th grade and to see them grow each and every year uh, into the young adults that they are today. And, and it'll be hard seeing this group go, but we love them and we're excited for them. And I know that our staff would echo this as well. And speaking of our staff, now, I'd just like to quickly shout, uh, shout out, uh, give a shout out to our Impact staff. I absolutely love working with the team that we have and serving alongside them. Impact is such a, such a neat ministry, um, it, but it also takes a lot of time and dedication to serve in this ministry. Uh, there, there, are, there are many events, several events in Impact uh, throughout the year that go far beyond the Wednesday night 6.45 to 8.15 time slot. And uh, I'm, thankful. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for your willingness uh, to, to sacrifice time, uh, to commit your time, and, and pour into to, to these teens um, the way that you do. I, I'm just so thankful for you guys, and, and we could not do teen ministry without you. So uh, can we give them a round of applause, our staff? <laughs> hey, 
And uh, it's such a blessing to be able to recognize our seniors and our graduates here at JBC today. Such a big chapter of their life coming to a close and yet another chapter starting. And uh, I would encourage you, church, to after the service, as Dave encouraged you as well, to, to head out to the, the lobby there and connect with some of these, these students and encourage them. They would, they would um, truly be uh, um, thankful for, for your uh, support and encouragement. And grads, it's just a side note here, uh, please, yeah, after uh, the sermon today, um, before the, or as the, we sing our final song, I'd love for you to head out to those tables so that the church has an opportunity to connect with you. Uh, we are going to take a one-week pause in the book of Genesis, and so I would like to invite you to the epistle of the Colossians, the Colossians uh, chapter 1. Colossians 1, 9 through 14, and I apologize, I'm sorry for you guys that you have to put up with me another week again. Um, I filled the pulpit last week, Pastor Dan and a whole bunch of leaders, they went to a, a conference in Cleveland and, uh, for most of the week, and um, I'm preaching again this morning because it's, it's Grad Sunday. So um, I, I, would, I will, though, be more than happy to have Pastor Dan back in the pulpit next week, as, as, as I'm sure you will be as, as well. And so... Let's look at our text together, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, which, which says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this wonderful day where the church can gather together to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, I thank you that, that we could this morning build up and encourage our teens who have and are going to graduate this year. Lord, I pray that your word would encourage them, convict them, train them, and challenge them today. We ask that you would plant this truth that, that we're about to study deep down in all of us so that we would be forever changed by your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, weird place to start, but just want to say it. Spam calls are the absolute worst. Uh, they just are. We get hundreds of spam calls every week here at JIBC. I had several as I, you know, I received several as I was writing this, this sermon. Uh, and the ratio of spam calls to church calls, it, it's pretty unbalanced, um, which can be pretty annoying. And uh, we have the technology on our phones that, um, you know, say on the screen in big, bold caps, all caps, letters, um, spam risk. Um, and and we're, I'm, at least I can speak for myself, I'm tempted from, from, from the jump to not pick up the phone, right? Uh, but because of my healthy distrust in, in technology and my commitment and love for all of you, um, I pick up. And, uh, and when we answer, there's typically a weird delay followed by a little, like a strange beep, and then a salesperson starts speaking, or, or a robot, and um, yeah, I'm just going to come clean and confess this uh, this morning. Um, I, I count, it's a hard five Mississippi count, like I'm rushing the passer out in the, the backyard, and, uh, and then I'll take the phone and I'll firmly plant it back in the holster, right? 
And, um, and I, think, I think to myself, you know, what a waste of time. Or sometimes I'm like, I put down something that's important to, to go and pick up um, the phone here and, and, and just get a little bit frustrated. Um, my, my attitude towards these spam calls made me think this week, man, I'm, I'm so glad that God doesn't do that with me. Uh, because a large portion of my life, uh, I don't know about you, but a large portion of my life, I would, I would pray, I would, I would dial, if you will, and, and I would pray to God with really only me in mind. Uh, for instance, I would pray to God that my, my team would win uh, in football games, or I would pray for him to ease, bring ease and comfort in my life. I would pray that, that he would uh, just bring me happiness, and, and all the opportunities would come my way. I would get all the toys and video games and uh, whatever made me happy. It was as if God was my own personal genie, but I had way more than three wishes. And, and despite having misunderstood prayer for so many years of my life, I'm thankful that God never blocked my number. Uh, he, he's never too busy for me. He's never not home. Uh, he's always near to me, always with me, and he encourages me from his word to pray and to pray often, to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so we're called to pray and pray without ceasing. Paul prayed without ceasing. We see that in our text. And the prayer that we have recorded in our text is really a great model prayer for us uh, to take into our quiet times. You know, you might think, you know, you might think only that there's, there's only one model prayer in the, in the scriptures, that it's found in the gospel, it's the Lord's prayer. But I would argue that this prayer in our text is a prayer that we can use as a model prayer for how we are to pray for one another. And there's a big difference, just state the obvious, there's a big difference between our prayers that perhaps we spoke this morning and, or, or the prayers that we've heard uh, today at church and the prayer that we just read in Scripture today. Uh, and that is the words that proceed from our mouths, obviously they come from us. However, the words that we just read from our text this morning come from the Lord. And the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, records his prayer for the Colossian church for our benefit, for, for our profit, for our gain to train us and equip us to pray for one another. And this model prayer, it can be prayed, it can be used uh, by parents who are praying for their children. It can be used for uh, of, of children praying for their parents. It, it can be your prayer, church family, to, to pray for your leaders who lead you here at JIBC. Um, deacons and, and elders alike. And it's an excellent model for church leaders to, to follow Paul's example and adapt this prayer to pray for their church family. And it has been this text this week for me that I've been adapting to, to pray for our graduates. And, I, I, and that's why I've entitled the sermon today, Praying for Graduates. And I know, I, I know this, okay, but Paul, I know, wasn't praying for the, the seniors at Colossae High, okay, I get it. Um, but, but rather, Paul was praying for the church of Colossae, and, um, and again, because this is a model prayer, I believe, I've been praying the scripture for the grads this week, and, and I would encourage you, church family, to do the same. And 
We'll impact, we'll, what we'll do today is we'll unpack the content of this prayer, which you'll find to be immensely practical, uh, found uh, specifically in verses 10 through 14. But before I get there, I, I need to look at the context and look at, look at verse 9. Uh, context is, is, is key. Uh, context is king. It's always something important to consider, especially when we're parachuting into a passage of Scripture like we're doing this morning. And so Colossae, it's, it's, it's in modern-day Turkey, and Paul, who is in prison for the sake of the gospel, is writing to the church. And this is just one of the prison epistles and, and prayers that we have from the Apostle Paul. And it's here where Paul gets a wonderful report back from Epaphras. Um, we see in chapter 1, verse 7, uh, Paul tells us that, that, that Epaphras is a beloved fellow servant of the gospel, a, a fellow minister of Christ. And from verses 4 to, to verse 8, um, we see this report that came back to Paul. And just to kind of sum up, sum up that, that report uh, for you this morning, Paul has five positive things to say about the church of, of Colossae. That number one, they had faith in Christ. Number two, they loved each other. Number three, they had a hope or a confident expectation in Christ and in His promises. Number four, they were bearing fruit and they were growing. And number five, they had not wavered in what they had been taught. And, and so, you know, guys, this, this church, this church lived in the same broken world that we live in today. Obviously, two different time periods, but the same sinful state of the world. Um, and, and yet, this is the report that Paul receives from prison. I want you to think about that for a moment. I mean, can you imagine how, how encouraging that this, this would have been for Paul, who's in prison, and, and, and this is the news that his pastoral heart receives? Just, just think about that for a moment. You know, how many churches, how many churches around us are faithfully teaching and preaching the Word of God? Many or, or few? It, it's so encouraging to my heart to hear of churches today who, who are, are being faithful to what God has called, called them to in the days that we live in. And it's encouraging to me to, to knowing that these five things Paul commends Colossae for can be found in our church today. And, and that really gets me going. One of the best parts, one of the best parts of being a pastor is seeing and hearing how God is working in, in hearts and lives of others. It is. And that'll never change. And, and so I can only imagine Paul's excitement as, he, as, as he's uh, in chains, but hearing this, this good report. And let's look at the first verse of our passage together, verse 9, which says, And so from the days we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So despite hearing the good report, which no doubt warmed the heart of Paul, right? Notice what we still find him doing. He continuously is praying for them without ceasing, even from prison, even from a place of personal hardship. You know, oftentimes when you think about it, we pray, when we pray for others, we're usually praying for others who, like, in the context of, of things being in a jam, right? It's almost like our prayers, it's like the news. Like, when you turn on the news, it's just like you always hear horrible things, um, it's almost as if when, when someone prays today for another, it's, it's, it's probably because something horrible is happening in their life. And, and then when the problem ceases, what often happens with our prayers for them? They ceased as well, right? 
But Paul prays for them, and he, and he continuously, in prison without ceasing, prays for them. And take note, you know, the, the Colossian church, it's, it's not the Galatian church who has been bewitched by another gospel. It's not the Corinthian church who is wrought with different issues and, and problems. You know, Paul commends them for their faith, and yet Paul continues to pray for them that they may mature all the more in Christ. And I want to be clear, it's good to pray for others facing, in tri- uh, facing trial. But it is also good, and we can follow Paul's example in making it a habit to continually pray for others that they would grow and and, and mature spiritually. Notice what Paul prays in verse 9, that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I think back to my my graduation. Um, I, I hated school. I did. I, I, I murdered it in my heart, okay? I did not like it. And in my youth, I was a little destructive. And so when I graduated, I burned all of my books. Um, I'm sorry. If there's any, there, I know there's teachers in here. Don't judge me. That was my, old, my, my youth, youthful life. I burned all my books. I burned my notebooks. I burned my folders. I burned my completed homework assignments. I burned my uncompleted homework assignments. <laughs> It was just a sense of freedom seeing them go up in flames. Uh, again, I was destructive. And, and if, uh, yeah, I just felt like I never was going to need to learn anything ever again. And, and that I had arrived, I'd, I'd crossed the finish line. I was done with education, which wasn't the case. I ended up going to school for like nine more years. But, <laughs> but whether you continue in formal education or not, does the learning ever stop after high school? No. No, learning never stops. You always have so much to learn. Adulting is hard, right? Uh, The struggles are real. And similarly here, Paul, speaking spiritually, applauds the Colossians on on who they are and what they've done, but fully understands that they have not arrived yet. All believers are promised that that what God begins being their faith, that he will bring it to completion, Philippians 1.6. But does that excuse us from, 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 from striving and, and pushing on and growing in spiritual maturity? No, it does not. Because we're also called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul said. And it's also Paul who writes Philippians 3, 12 through 16, which says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. In other words, even the apostle Paul knew, right, that he hadn't arrived yet. And so he prays in our text that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. What does that mean exactly, to to be filled with the knowledge of of his will? What is God's will? How can we know God's will? God's will could be known through his word, right? The inspired, inerrant word of God that has been revealed to us. And the word knowledge is important here, okay? It's, it's the word gnosis in the Greek, a word that, that Greek Gnostic philosophers would have loved. They loved talking about gnosis. They were all about the gnosis. 
And, and there's no doubt that Paul uses a word that's, that's a little different than just gnosis. He uses the word epinosis. It's a compound word instead of just gnosis, which I think he used it for kind of differentiating between the two, uh, to the two knowledges. Um, epinosis is a deep and thorough knowledge. You know, man's gnosis apart from God, no matter how smart one person thinks of themselves to be, right? Without God, they're an utter fool. Uh, And that's not just some cruel, you know, judgment I'm passing on somebody, but that's what, you know, Psalm, Psalm what, 14.1, the fool says in his heart that there is no God, right? But the knowledge of God's will found through his word is and can be life-changing. It's deep, it can and does change us from the inside out. And it is such knowledge that has the power to save dead men from sins. And that's why Paul unashamedly preaches the word of God. It makes me think of Romans 1.16 when he says, For I am not ashamed, right, of the gospel, for it is the power, the, the dunamai, the dynamite of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek Only this God-given knowledge has the power to, to, if you will, blow up our stony, unbelieving heart. And therefore, Paul is unashamed, so unashamed that he is imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. And it is this revealed will of God that he wishes for the church to be filled with. And, and, And on the other hand, you have Greek philosophical paganism. Uh, human tradition, man's logic, which only seeks to further confuse and distort and suppress the truth of the gospel and his word. And, and it still seeks to confuse truths today, right? Uh, the truth of creation, the truth of, of being created in his image, the truth concerning marriage. And this was just one of the heresies that was seeking to creep into the Colossian church which I believe is why Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, says what it says. When it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Grads, grads jot that down, that verse, Colossians 2, 8. Because colleges, universities, and even a lot of Christian universities today have allowed major error to creep into their institutions and in turn, this means that, that not only have they forgotten a text like Colossians 2.8, but they are in fact the ones seeking to take captive and deceive young people today according to human tradition and philosophy. There is only one thing that should take us captive, and that is the deep knowledge of God and his word. And we see this in the beginning of Paul's prayers. He prays for them to be filled with this deep, life-changing knowledge that comes from him. And I just want to address the word filled here. Filled's not like, don't think of it in the, in the sense of volume, like filling up a water bottle, okay? But, but, but rather, it's, it's here addressing control. Kind of like if you, if you remember the text, Ephesians 5, which I think I, I preached last, uh, uh, doesn't matter, last year. But, 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 but it, he says in that text to not be filled with wine, right? Not be drunk with wine, but what? To be filled with the Spirit, to be controlled by the Spirit. And it's this knowledge that starts, it, it starts in our mind, it has to, right? But in order for it to consume or control our living, it must not stop with our mind. 
This knowledge must sink down. It, sh- it should flow down and warm the affections of our hearts so that it changes the way that we live. Notice the words also in verse 9, spiritual wisdom and understanding. They, these words go together. What is wisdom? Wisdom is, is truth that's applied. It's knowing how to take the truth in your mind, right? And, and, and knowing how to put it into action. Knowledge that's, that's just left in the mind, it's, it's really useless. And, and so Paul prays that we'd be filled with this knowledge so that it would reflect in our living. You know, some of us, we err with being hearers only and not doers, while others err by being doers without wanting to be hearers, right? Both are needed. The knowledge of God's will must be known in order to live for Him. And so Paul prays that they would be filled with the will of God, with truth, and what is the result of such a filling? When God's word is rooted and grounded in your heart and life, what happens? Paul gives us six things. Six things that is evidenced through the beginning of verse 10 when he says, so as or so that. And this is where the text is extremely practical. So it's here in Colossians 1, 9 through 14 where Paul prays six essential characteristics in a believer's walk so that you would pray this prayer for yourself and for others. The first essential characteristic Paul prays for the Colossians is a worthy walk. Look at verse 10 with me. It says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. A manner worthy. It's a phrase mentioned several times in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 2, 12, jot this reference down. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and, cha- and charged you to, to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Another reference, Ephesians 4, 1. I, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to, to walk in a manner worthy of a calling to which you've been called, right? Philippians 1, 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of, of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the, the faith of the gospel. Worthy, man, worthy manner here, it means um, consistent with or, or equal to. In my study this week, it pointed me back to how they used scales to buy things during these, these ancient times. They would use this, this scale with two hanging plates to determine the amount of a, part, a particular thing to, to give. Um, for instance, um, you take like grain. They would put grain on one of the plates on one side and they would put a weight on the other and they would wait till it, it leveled out. And that's how they would be able to be consistent in, in giving um, that, that thing to, to others, to people that wanted to buy it. And the same is true spiritually that your talk would be equal to your walk. There are many today who make a profession of faith, but, 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 are living, but their living is out of balance with what they say about themselves. People saying, I'm a Christian, you know, I follow Christ, and yet they're, they're walking and, and living the opposite direction. And, and I want to be clear, uh, will we ever live perfect in this life? No. But each day, what should we be doing? We should be inching closer and closer, right? Being conformed in the image of Christ, being more like Christ and less like our old self. That's the idea here. And so grads, church family, 
Examine your hearts before the Lord, just as we're called to in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Look at the scales of your heart and life. Does your walk match your talk? Does your profession of faith evidence the possession of true saving faith? If the knowledge of God's will is dominating your heart and life, you will live in a manner worthy of the Lord. And such is a life that's pleasing to God, as we see in verse 10. And thus Paul prays for them to walk worthily. The next essential characteristic Paul prays for is a fruitful walk. The text reads, bearing fruit in every good work. What is a fruit? It is a, a work, right? The things that we do for God, which again, don't, they, they don't save us, but they evidence true saving faith. And it, it's a byproduct of knowledge and wisdom, James 3.17 says. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Wisdom produces good fruits. For wisdom is taking what? It's taking that truth and applying it, living it out. And it is when we walk in the Spirit of God that He produces these fruits in our life. Galatians 5, right? 522, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Against such thing there is no law. This is so contrary to the fruit of the, of the flesh. Uh, we like, you know, there's a lot of children's songs singing, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, but oftentimes, I, I don't think there's any songs about the fruit of the flesh. Um, and in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, which comes before the fruit of the Spirit, says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul gives the fruits of the flesh in verse 19 through 21 in chapter 5 of Galatians when he says, Now the work of the flesh are evident. Self, or excuse me, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, um, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you boil it down, the outworkings of the flesh, the fruit of the flesh, are ultimately a result of a love for oneself, loving yourself. I don't know if maybe some of you guys read the article this, this past week. Um, it, it just reminded me of, of the woman, I think it was on Monday. Uh, I read about her in the news earlier this week. She loved herself so much that she, she married herself. Anybody read that article? In, in Goshen, Ohio, there was a, a Goshen, I say that right? I'm not from here. All right, I'll, I'll hear it later, I'm sure. There was a 77-year-old woman recently who walked down the aisle to marry none other than herself. Dorothy Fideli donned a, a lacy white dress and a fluff veil for the symbolic ceremony reportedly held over the weekend at O'Bannon Terrace Retirement Community in front of family and friends. She says, you know what? I've done everything else. Why not? I'm going to marry myself. She also said to the papers, I was nervous, but then I was really happy. Uh, Fox 8 said the reason for the wedding, according to Dorothy, was to reflect on what it means to love oneself. And, and, and my response, to, I have a lot of responses to that story. 
as, as I'm sure you do too. A text that comes to mind, you could use several, uh, but 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15, right? Uh, uh, for the love of Christ controls us, right? Not the love of self, but for the love of Christ controls us, right? That he died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all so that they who live, those who are alive in Christ, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and, uh, and, died and rose again on their behalf, Right? Grads, church family, who controls you today? A love of self or a love of Christ? You cannot have both. They stand in opposition to one another. And whichever one controls you will determine the fruit that bears out in your life. And so Paul prays for them to continuously bear fruit, to continue working and serving the Lord. And next, Paul prays for them to have a growing walk. In, in, in the ESV, it's rendered increasing in verse 10, which is accurate. It's the idea of enlarging or expanding, multiplying. Paul already recognized that they were bearing fruit and increasing in chapter 1, verse 6, if you look at that. But, but he prays that they would continue growing in spiritual maturity. Remember, again, no one has arrived yet. We always have room to grow. And grads, if you have truly been born again, Friends in attendance today, if you are a true believer, you should be able to look back in your life and see the growth that has taken place. And, and, and to be clear here, I don't think I have to state it, but I will anyway. The growth isn't physical, but it's spiritual, right? It comes as a result of knowledge and truth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 comes to my mind. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, yeah, talking about the word, that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, babies from experience uh, are dependent on that milk. They need it. They're cute, but they'll let you have it if, if you don't give them their food. Um, and like babies, we should too long for and depend upon God's word. And by filling our minds with knowledge of God's will and his word, with spiritual wisdom and understanding will amount to spiritual growth in our lives. You know, looking back to my life, uh, looking back on my life, I, I graduated in 2010, um, I, and I was a believer long before then, and I, I can't even begin to measure um, how much God has grown me and matured me in my life. Uh, there's been a lot of spiritual growth. My wife can testify to this, um, and, and, and I still have a lot of room to grow. And grads, I, I pray that this would be the same, uh, that this would be true of your life as well, that you would increasingly grow spiritually in this new season of life. The fourth essential that Paul prays for is a strong walk. Uh, the text reads, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. The word strengthened here again is the word dunamai, which I brought up earlier. It's, it's where we get the word dynamite, to walk worthy as, as we discussed before right? So that the scales are even. To walk worthy, as we discussed before, takes God's dunamai in our life. You know, we, we should be completely and utterly dependent on him in our every day. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Praying without ceasing. We can't live for God in our own strength and in our own power, and shame on us when we think that we can, right? When we don't go to him and depend on him for all things, but praise God that he is the almighty creator of the universe, creating all things out of nothing, right? By speaking it into existence. 
You know, I was lifting the other day and I hurt my back. It was like I was lifting not even that much weight. You know, my, my strength has so much, uh, so many limitations. But, but, but his power is limitless. And it's from him that he extends his power to us in order for us to live out our days all for him and all for his glory as we see in this passage. Doxa, it's where we get the word doxology from. You know, when we're living for God in his strength and not in our own strength, what does it do? It brings him all the glory. And Paul lived this way. If you just flip over to Colossians 1.29, same chapter, he says, for this purpose I also labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me in power. Grads, church, whose strength are you reliant upon? To answer that question, look to your source of dependence. Who do you gravitate towards when you face difficult times? Who do you gravitate towards in your every day? You know, there's not a moment that goes by that we don't need his strength in our life. And so Paul prays for them to be dependent on God for strength so that the Lord would strengthen their walk and, and, and their life. The fifth essential Paul prays for is an enduring walk. Text says, for all endurance and patience with joy. This is the idea of having your eyes fixated on the goal, looking ahead, right? Not swaying this way or that way, not being pulled off the track by others or circumstances. Makes me think of 1 Corinthians 15, 33, which says, uh, what does it say? It says, bad company, right, has a way of corrupting what? Good morals, right? It, it, true or false? You know, some, some graduates, when they when they graduate from high school, they go into the workforce, they head off to college, and uh, this can be a struggle coming out from, from under their, their parents' roof because, you know, some of them can find themselves in an environment that's, that's totally and entirely secular, and the temptation to please men might be stronger than, than ever before. Uh, I saw a, a really cool quote by a pastor this week on, on Facebook, um, and it, it said, you know, if we, if we please God, it doesn't matter who we displease. If we displease God, it doesn't matter who we please. If we please God, it doesn't matter who we displease. If we, if we displease God, it doesn't matter who we please. Amen. Consider that, that, you know, obviously that seems obvious, uh, it, but it is so critical in our lives today. You know, just think about the whole point and purpose of the book of Colossians. Um, if you could just boil it down to one word, it would be supremacy, right? It's the supremacy of Christ, our text will go on to say in verse 18, we won't get there today or in the next several weeks because this is just, you know, it's going to be done after today. But, but verse 18, right, says, Christ is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent or first. Is Christ first in your life? Is he supreme in your heart? Because when Christ is supreme in your heart and life, being steadfast and enduring even the most difficult trial is a guarantee. And we also have the word peace here. How does, how does that work with this verse? One pastor said, walking with endurance looks to the end with a hope and a confident expectation that you will make it to the end by God's grace and patience looks to the now. Endurance looks ahead and patience looks to the now. And joy is a, a divine attitude, excuse me, that, that comes from, from who we are in Christ. Joy does not come uh, through circumstances, right? Because circumstances change. 
Uh, happiness comes from circumstances, right? And happiness is temporary. But joy comes through position, and it is eternal. God calls us to run the race with endurance and patience and with great joy. And how are you with this? This would be another thing to pray for so that we can align our wills with his and also, again, to pray this for one another. And and that in this broken world, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ would endure for the sake of Christ. And our final essential, we've, we've almost made it. Um, our final essential uh, point that, that Paul prays for the church is a thankful walk. A thankful walk. The text reads, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption. Pretty obvious here, but so important to state that there are There is an eternal, everyday gratitude that comes from from everything that Christ has done for us and who he is. We can be and we should be thankful for the inheritance that we have in him, from being rescued from the power of darkness, being redeemed and forgiven of all our sins through Christ. And if you're not thankful for that this morning, then, then maybe you still need rescued. Don't ever forget that salvation is a, is a miraculous thing. What Christ has done for us, you know, I just, I could talk personally. I was lost in this world. I, I was blind to my sin. I loved my sin. I was dead in my sin, and yet he graciously opened my eyes to the truth of the gospel. You know, think of the text, 2 Corinthians 5 again, that, that Jesus, for our sake, was made to be sin, right? Who knew no sin, so that in him, I might become the righteousness of God. Have you put your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because if you haven't, nothing could be more important. Your graduation, it's a huge accomplishment. And so exciting. It's such a wonderful day walking up on that stage and getting that certificate. But what does it all mean if you don't have Christ? It might be a great first step in your future job or, or career, but, but what does it do for your soul? Without a relationship with God through Christ, we cannot live for God. And we cannot hear, or excuse me, we cannot have spiritual life without him. And so be feel, being filled with the knowledge of God's will will inevitably bring about six essential characteristics to your life. A worthy walk, a fruitful walk, a growing walk, a strong walk, an enduring walk, and a thankful walk. And this is how we ought to pray as we, as we continue living for Christ. This is how we ought to pray for one another. And so let's bow our heads now and, and do just that. Father, I, I pray for these students. I, I, pray, I pray for our church. pray for all in the, that are in attendance today. I even pray for myself. I pray for the leadership of JABC that we would be filled with a, with a deep knowledge of your will, with wisdom and, and understanding, and that it would saturate our lives so much so that we're controlled by it. And Father, I pray that we would strive to live a worthy walk, that we wouldn't be hypocrites claiming to be Christians and yet walk the opposite way, but that our lives would bear fruit as we, as we walk according to the Spirit 
and not by our flesh. And Father, help us to grow. Even though there's so, so many spiritually mature Christians in this room today, I know there's always still more room to, to increasingly grow. None of us have arrived yet. Help us, Lord, to, to live our every day dependent on your strength, seeking to run this race with endurance in a way that, that pleases you and honors you. Be with these grads as they enter into the workforce and, and, further, uh, and further education. Protect them and strengthen them to, to resist the gravitational pull towards the ways of this world. And, and Lord, I ask that they would be filled with gratitude, that they would remember each day who they are in you as your adopted sons and daughters who have an eternal inheritance in you, who have been rescued from the domain of darkness and have an eternal redemption, all because of your great love for which you loved us. It's because of you that we can be thankful at all times, in any place, facing any circumstance. It's in your name we pray. Amen.